What's going on, good people? Welcome to the new episode of the Paul Rivera podcast. I honestly, I honestly can't think of a better person to launch this season with than the big fella. <laughs> the big fella, Kendrick Perkins, Big Perk. What's up, brother? How are you, man? Man, P, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on, man. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Hey, look, you remember last time we was at dinner, I told you, I said, P, I'm just waiting on my invite. <laughs> I'm waiting on you. So now it's finally here, man. I, I Look, one thing about it, before I, we start the show, man, I just want to give you flowers, man. You're doing a great job in everything that you do, everything oh, that man. you got your hands on. From day one that I met you, man, you always been authentic, genuine dude, man, and I respect that about you. You never change, and you always been the same PR I've been knowing since the day I met you, man, and I wanted to tell you that. Perk, I appreciate that, man. Before we get into it, you know, family, we were, we were talking a little bit before the show started, but family's safe, you're safe, everyone's healthy. Man, everybody good, man. Thank God, man. But you know, kids driving me crazy, you know. <laughs> you know, but hey, it's part of being the daddy. I mean, it's all good, though. We, 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 we making it through. <laughs> hey, Perk, look, we're going to get into Kendrick Perkins, the journalist or the analyst. But I first want, <laughs> I, I first, so you even crack up when you hear it, man. <laughs> but I first want to go, I want to go back to your, to your playing career, man. Um, you know, I think that's what separates you and another homies, Matt Bonds and, 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 and Steven Jack. You know, you guys not only played, but you played with a, a large crop of the guys that are playing today. And not only guys that are playing, you played with superstars. You played with, you know, you specifically, when I started thinking back to the teams you played with, you've played with probably four, five, six of the top 20 players in the last 20 years, you know, give or take. So can we go back to OKC, if you can remember that far back? Were all three of them there when you were there? Was Harden there, Russ, and KD? Yeah. They were babies when I first got there. They were babies when I first got there. So, you know, I was able, I, when I got to Oklahoma City, that's when the practice facility was a skating ring. You know, they, they, mm -hmm. they rented out a skating ring and turned it into a practice facility. And the first day I got there, I remember KG hitting me like th like three days later, not the first day, three days later. And he was like, hey, man, how you feeling? How those young guns over there? I said, KG, you wouldn't even imagine, man, these guys are some gym rats. And, you know, KD, James, and Russ, they were babies, 22, 23, yeah. 21. So, I, you know, the, these MVPs and, and, and us watching them become stars, I knew this was going to happen. How soon did you know, oh, these guys got a shot to be special, the three of them? Well, KD, we knew that at Texas. Sure. You know, he, he's he been a walking bucket his entire life. I still, still to this day, I still believe that he probably will go down as arguably the greatest, greatest scorer of all time. I mean, it's nothing that he can't do offensively. When you look at a guy like James Harden, people didn't know because he was in the shadows of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, but when I got there and I watched him come in off the bench and he was able to get 35 pieces and 40 pieces playing behind those guys in limited minutes, I was like, hold on, man, this guy's going to be special. I remember in the Dallas Mavericks series when the Mavs went on to win the title, you know, we was in a closeout game. No, we, we yeah, the year they won, it's after they won the title. We was in a closeout game, game four, and we were down 13 going into the fourth. And James Harden took it over. I think he finished with like 29, but he had 15 of his 29 in the fourth and wheeled us back. And, and right then and there, in that big moment, I said, man, 
this kid, this guy here is gonna be special. Mm. Let's um let you know it's crazy. I, I saw a picture the other day of the three of them, and it almost looked photoshopped, right? Because it's crazy <laughs> to think that those three yeah. savages. I mean that as the utmost compliment. You know, we're on the same team. What do you think that looks like, man? I mean, obviously, you know, we're all, we can only guess. What does that look like if those three stay together, man? I mean, you're looking at about two, two at the least championships, right? But, but here's the thing, Pete. The thing is, is that everyone talk about, oh, Sam Presti didn't keep the team together and he didn't do a great job. But you got to understand, these guys were young, man. You know, winning the championship was kind of on their mind, but they had so much more to accomplish on yeah. the individual side. You know, like they were still trying to establish themselves as a Russell, as Russell Westbrook, the MVP, the uh, three year, three years in a row, averaging a triple double. Kevin Durant, MVP. You know, and you know all his accolades. James Harden, MVP, led the league in scoring for three straight years. Like they were still trying to get all that. See, what people don't understand is, is that like when KG, Ray, and Paul was formed. The only thing left, the only thing that was left on their resume was to win the championship. Right. They were they were 30 plus. You know, these guys, KG was 33, Ray was 34. They had accomplished everything that they needed to accomplish. The same thing with like Braun, D. Wade, and Bosch. You know, they had accomplished all NBA teams, MVPs. The only thing that was left is especially for for, for Braun and Bosch was to come together and, and win champion, win a championship. And I say that because at that age, it was hard to ask Russ, KD, and James to sacrifice. Right, right. And then people, then people want to ask James, oh, man, why didn't you stay? Well, if James would have stayed, James wouldn't have got the 300-plus million dollar contract, <laughs> $200 million dollar shoe deal. Mm -hmm. Like, people forget that before anything else, the NBA is a job. You're supposed to get your money first and then worry about everything else second. Facts. You, you, you know, perfect segue. You talked about that Boston team, man. What was that like playing with them? I mean, all Hall of Famers, obviously. What was that like playing with, you know, the big ticket, playing with Ray, playing with Pierce? Man, it was a blessing. And, you know, uh, I, was, I was young at the time, and I remember I walked into Doc Rivers' office and I was like, man, Doc, I ain't really, I'm 24. Like, I ain't getting no touches. And he was like, Perk, you want to go into a losing team or you want me to make you a winner? Mm -hmm. Do your role. But but the thing, I never took it for granted, though, playing with, with these great guys, especially KG. Like, when KG first walked in the door in, in Boston, man, I never took that for granted. I've watched and tried to mimic everything he done on and off the court. Now I wasn't this, I wasn't KG skill wise, but at least I was trying to mimic a future Hall of Famer, one mm -hmm. of the greatest power forwards to ever do it. And and the thing that I learned so much playing with those guys was the way that they sacrificed, the way that they came together, the hard work that they put in. People don't know, but like Ray Allen, he used to we used to land in cities the night before the game. He used to go to the hotel room, hurry up and, and put his bags and stuff up, get situated. And you would catch him downstairs in the, in the uh, fitness center running five miles. That's what he used wow. to do just because he wanted to keep his cardio up. Wow. People didn't understand how much KG used to stay in the weight room. 
he was one of the guys besides LeBron that I, I see, like he lived in the weight room. They, and they taught me the definition of hard work. And they taught me that um, it was okay to be perk, if that makes yeah, sense. Like, of course. Hey, hey, look, forget the outside world, Perk. If you want to survive in this league and have a 10-plus year, be a star in your role. That's what they taught me. Everybody can't be a captain. You know, you feel like if you have so many captains, sooner or later you're going to sink the ship. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's what they taught me, man, and I never take it for granted. Hard work, sacrifice, and it's okay to be who you are. I love it, man. I, I've had the pleasure of meeting KG and spending some time with him and I don't think people can grasp <laughs> what a complete like <laughs> lunatic that guy is. And again, I mean it as a compliment. Like that guy cared about winning and competing. Man, is there a story or an example in your time you spent with him that you could give us, whether it was at a practice or anything like that? Just how laser focused KG has always been. Man, it, it's so many stories though. It's a few of them I could share with you real quick too. One. I remember the first meeting we had, film session. We all knew, no disrespect to Kate, I mean, Paul, no disrespect to Ray Allen. They future Hall of Famers, right? Ray Allen already in the Hall of Fame. KG comes in the meeting and says, I'm going to take a back seat to Paul and Ray. We're going to run the offense through you. I was like, what? You the big ticket. Like, we know you are clearly the best player on this team. Cedric Maxwell said, that KG was the best all-around player in Celtic history. Imagine it. Cornbread said that, right? But it was just his competitive nature. He bought that intensity. So much was our first practice in Rome, we had a, our first practice. We were supposed to go two a days. Man, we went so hard because of KG talking noise that Doc said he canceled practice for the evening and said that was the best practice he ever had as a coach. And then he was so laser sharp with Forrest KG. It was it was like he had two different personalities, right? This on and off switch. You see him outside the basketball court. He joking, dancing. Yep. He want to have a good time. He always laughing and telling stories. And then all of a sudden you arrive to the arena and it's like, oh, okay, KG in the training room. Man, I'm going to go chill in the, in, in the uh, locker room. If KG in the locker room, I'm going to go find another space in, in the bathroom. Like, you didn't want to be in this company. He, we wanted the headphones. If you had your headphones on, he wanted the dead silent. I remember him and Ray got into it because Ray used to have a ritual where he used to be in there dribbling the ball, getting his, like, his, his handles right before the game, but he used to be in the locker room like, you know, he went back to his he got game moments. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus service work. <laughs> and I remember KG was like, say, B, can we focus in here? Like, this ain't all about you, man. This ain't all about you. They get into a whole argument, dog. They get into a whole argument like, like Ray, like, well, Kev, this is what I do for my – he like, man, you need to go do that in the hallway, man. Everybody don't want to hear you doing it. Okay, it's about Ray Allen. This is what it's about, right? It's just about you. So. Ever since then, man, he set the tone. And Ray actually didn't have a problem with it. He respected mm-hmm. it. So, you know, just those type of stories, that mindset. I love it, man. And then transitioning, um, you know, obviously we're jumping around a little bit, but you end up in Cleveland. Um, obviously, you'd gone up against LeBron plenty of times by that point and obviously knew of his talent. But, you know, what was your first impression 
you know, of LeBron, whether it was off the court or whether it was practice or whether it was training camp before the game stuff? Was there an early impression he made on you? But see, Pete, this is the thing, man. People don't understand. Me and Braun go back since the seventh grade. Oh, like, shit. That's right. Hey, you, when That's he right. was on the, when he was on the uh, Ohio Shooting Stars, I was on the Houston Hoops. And every year up until, like, my 11th grade year, we met up in the championship in every tournament, mm. every single tournament. For about one month, our sophomore year, I was ranked number one in the country. <laughs> and y'all same class. We the same class. Talk we played shit, Talk your shit, yeah, Kirk. Let yeah, him know. Same class. Same class. Oh, <laughs> three. And look, we played on the same team in my same year for, for like two tournaments, the Oakland Soldiers. And people didn't even know this. Let me tell you something. Braun was ahead of his time, like, when he was 15. And I'm not talking about on the court. I'm talking about off the court. So you know how AAU games go where you may play five or six games in a day. So in between guys running and getting McDonald's and stuff mm -hmm. like that, we didn't know nothing about eating habits. Guess what LeBron was doing? Man, the man was eating fruits and salads and had and, and was drinking water. Like at that age, how did and especially back then, how was you that intelligent and that disciplined to do those type of things? But when I got to Cleveland, I always respected Braun game. I always was like, man, this this dude, like, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They called him man the chosen one. You know how much pressure that is? And he's been, he's upheld and so like overachieved that pressure since the age of 16. People don't understand. He was the first high school player to ever get a national televised game on ESPN. Yep. I remember yes, that. He had, he had Phil Knight sitting uh, courtside. Hey, Shaq was there. Shaq was there. Like, like, if that ain't pressure, I don't know what it is. But I always had the ultimate respect. I was like, man, Braun is going to go down as one of the all-time greats. Although we had those battles when I was in Boston. Although he beat me in the finals when I was in OKC. But when I got on this team, our brotherhood was already there. But as a teammate, my level of respect for him went through the roof, man. Because off the court, I've never seen a guy that works as hard as LeBron James that is more disciplined than LeBron James. And you know this, Pete. You call LeBron about 11 o'clock, he not answering because he in the bed. Please. Like, and waking up at 5 in the morning, hitting the weight room before practice, going to practice, working out with his teammates after practice, getting extra shots up, and then have to go do a three-hour commercial, especially if it's not a game day, and then turn around, he might get some extra work in, but he's getting treatment. Right. How many times we done been in steakhouses, five-star steakhouses, and we in there eating and enjoying the moment, and you got my boy Mike giving them stem yeah. unity yeah. and treatment and stuff like that. People don't realize when I see him do certain things, and now that I'm watching him at the age of 35, and I'm 35, and I'm looking at Braun do the same things he was doing when he first came in the league. He haven't lost a bit of athleticism, but people don't know what he do to, behind the scenes. And that's why my level of respect, and that's why, you know, I don't never argue with people about, they can say Jordan, but Braun is the greatest to me because I know what he do. I know the sacrifices and for him to carry it over and overachieve for this longevity is, is, is remarkable, man, is remarkable.
Yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, no disrespect to anyone, but there's a lot of six, eight guys walking around planet Earth. You know, I remember um, his second year in Cleveland when he came back, the year they won it. He went down to Miami um, the month of August, which if you know anything, you've been in Miami the month of August. I love Miami. It's, it's the last place on Earth I want to be is Miami in the month of August. Right. Humid, right. money through everything. He went down to Miami and did three a days. Not two days, three days. Took his family down there. It wasn't a party, wasn't anything. Three days working out. He'd go in the morning with Mike Mancia as his trainer, get right in the gym, go to DVC or whatnot, go get a shake or something like that. Um, get in the gym, you know, be with Phil Handy, working yep. on the handle and doing all that stuff. Go home, spend time with the family, get a nap, get a massage, come back at night on the court, shots. You know, this is a guy that had already won championships. There's a guy that's on his 13th signature shoe. There's a guy that's got all the money in the world. It's, it's, more, it's more than just, you know, he's not trying to get a deal. He's not, it's just a different level of greatness. And I, and I tell people all the time, I've been blessed, like in my, in my professional life, you know, I worked at Nike and I've been in rooms with Phil Knight. I worked at Beats by Dre and I've been in rooms with Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. You know, I see that same level of like commitment to greatness. It's not just that he's physically gifted. He answers to a different calling in terms of his commitment to the game. You know, is that something? Do you do you sense that as a teammate when you're playing with him? Yeah, all day long, and and, and how intelligent he is, right? And people don't understand he's also a, a, a student of the game. Mm. Like Braun is always open minded. Like people think Braun is stubborn, and I hate that narrative. That narrative where they say, "Oh, Braun is not coachable." Man, that's BS, man. I've been around it. I watched T. Lou coach him. I watched him accept it. Well, where they didn't been back and forth, that shoot arounds with Braun was saying, Lou, why we don't do this? And Lou, like, Braun, let run in my way first, and then we go see what you and Braun, like, okay, I got you. We're gonna run and I'm gonna do it harder. Like, he didn't call, like, I didn't watch Braun accept being coached. So let's change that because I be seeing that floating around, and I hate that. He's not a coach killer. Never been, and, and he's always been open-minded, the ultimate team guy. So let's get that straight. Because I remember at one point, you know, Tim, Big Moscow, Timmy Moscow. Timmy, yeah. Right? He was in the finals. Big Timo was struggling a little bit. Braun said the simplest stuff, but the realest stuff. He said, Timo, all I can ask you to do is give me your very best like you doing, my brother. Nothing more, nothing less. You out there playing hard. None of us is flawless. Keep doing what you do. Like, that's a leader. That's a leader. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mad I missed the point, P, when you said how he takes time to be with his family. Mm-hmm. Ron don't even realize, like, we have the same type of similar situation family-wise. Like, I've been with my wife since the 10th grade, right? He's the same with him. Like, and I, I watch how... I know what he has to go through. I know the business calls he have to take, the commercials, but, for, but he still managed to find time for his family. Oh, you watch, he's at, he's at Bronny Games, he's at Bryce Games, he's with Savannah, he's with Azuri. They doing everything, cooking in the kitchen, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And, and, and that type of thing, like, people need to appreciate that. Absolutely. Because everyone wants to talk about, oh, basketball players, man, they do this, they do that. Here it is. You got one of the greatest of all time showing these youngsters, especially in the African-American community, how to do it the right way. And mm-hmm. I applaud them for that. Now, speaking of which, I remember, I think it was two summers ago, 
me, Mav, Rich, and Ramos, which by the way, the day we're recording this is Randy's birthday, so happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ramos. The realist to do it. Um, we, w- we were in Vegas and, and Bron was a, he was an AAU dad. We must we have went to four games a day. And by the way, when Bronny didn't have a game, we raced across town to catch CP's team. And when CP didn't have a game, we raced across town to catch Melo's team play. You know, like he was truly in his element of just being an AAU dad. Now, mind you, we're in Vegas. And then at night, we go to his suite and we're playing cards. We're playing cards. And to your earlier point, it's about 10.30, 10.45, which, by the way, people still taking naps in Vegas at 10.30 p.m., right? Yeah. Bron, after the third game, Bron's like, ooh, what y'all about to do? And we're like, what you mean? He's like, I mean, y'all ain't, ain't got to go home. But, yeah, like, he starts closing the curtains. He's dimming lights. He was going to sleep because he was getting working in the morning. I'm like, yo, we in Vegas? in the off season. And he's like, yeah, it's about that time. And yo, it was good hanging with y'all boys, man. Y'all be safe tonight. <laughs> and you know how he do. That's exactly how he and, do. And your guy, Richie P, your guy, Rich Paul was like, I've been thrown out of way better places than this. <laughs> <laughs> that means, hey, that means he the fist rich off. That's what he's talking about right now. But, it's, but, but yeah. P, man, but P, people don't see that, man. They don't know that, man. They think it's just, oh, Braun was just a, a, a God's gift to the yeah. world and he was just blessed. I mean, nah, he took advantage of what he had and he still do to this day. They don't understand the ultimate sacrifice. And you know what? To the people who don't, they need to cleanse their soul and appreciate them right here. Absolutely. I want to now go to your transition. Um from a ball player to, what do you consider yourself, a journalist or an analyst or both? I'm an analyst. Analyst, I'm okay, an analyst. as an analyst. <laughs> that happened by mistake, it happened, was there a plan to it? Um, Cause I remember looking up one day and being like, yo, Perk's breaking news out here. Like like, like Perk's on Twitter, like, like locked in on this thing. Like, was it a conscious decision or did you kind of just fall into it? Like, how'd that happen? So what happened was I wanted, to be the next head coach that was a big that played in the game. Because I feel like we get overlooked. Mm-hmm. Point guards, guards, small fours. They ain't the only people that know the game, right? <laughs> they ain't the only people that got an IQ. So what I started to do with all the franchises, Cleveland, New Orleans, the Thunder, the Celtics, they all knew my basketball IQ, and they actually all offered me assistant jobs, right? Oh, wow. But And Minnesota. But I wanted to get out there even more to let other franchises hear my takes on basketball. So I just started, you know, tweeting during the playoffs about certain things like, man, you can't help off the corner three, man, that you'll get burnt all the time. Or when people were saying, oh, that was such and such fault on defense, I was like, nah, that was actually this guy's fault because he was supposed to X out on the weak side, right? Just breaking down the game. Next thing I know, I get a call from, you know, I start getting messages from like Fox, ESPN. They're like, hey, would you mind coming on the show? I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'll come on the show, be able to speak something that I'm doing anyway, and that's watching a game of basketball. So people don't understand. Last year, every show I was on, I did it for free. I did it for free. I I didn't get paid a dime for none of it. And... I went on Fox, and they was like, hey, would you be interested in coming back for the rest of the playoffs when we, you know, 
when we call you? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then ESPN was like, hey, Perk, we want you back. Hey, you know, they started, and I'm like, hey, look, I'm Neil. Name the, name the time, name the date, the place or whatever. I'm Neil, right? So, Perk, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit, though, like, because that, that's a thing. We have a, I have a lot of, like, listen, young listeners, people trying to get on, you know, people trying to grind. It's like, talk about that a little bit, like the investment in yourself, because most people would say, or a lot of people would say, especially of this generation after us, like, nah, if I know such and such is making such and such, I need such and such. Talk about a little bit about the investment in yourself of saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to look at these reps and invest in myself and know in the long game, I'm going to be good money. Right. Um, I mean, people don't never want to work for it or, or earn it. You know, everything got to be given to them. No, like, you got to earn your stripes. Like, it was steps to get to. That's why Stephen A. Smith is where he at. That's why Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless are where they at. Like, they didn't just come about and say, you know, they just jump right into the fires and start getting paid and, and was getting paid big money. Like, they started from the bottom. And I, you know what I did? I did my research and I and I went research Michael Strahan. And when mm -hmm. I when I did that, he never turned down anything, P. He didn't turn down any network. He didn't turn down any podcast. He didn't turn down any magazine interview. Nothing. He said yes to everybody. And it helps you get better with your craft. It shows your dedication to it. And it also shows dedication to the networks, right? So this summer comes, well, the last summer comes along and I get a couple of coaching offers and ESPN like, hey, we want you to work for us full time. And I'm like, wow, mm, really? And they was like, yeah, like, you, you're genuine. You don't, you you know, you, you're yourself. Like, I'm a country boy from Beaumont, Texas. P, I ain't gonna lie. I'm not sitting up here looking in the encyclopedia dictionary trying to be somebody I'm not. <laughs> Well, you see who I am, that's who I am. Like, I may speak with broken English at time. I don't care. You, But we talking basketball, right? This ain't English class. This is basketball. So, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, man, they, they gave me that call. And, and I was like, I could work this amount of hours and talk about the game of basketball on TV. I'm going to watch it anyway. And I get to spend more time with my family. I missed so much time playing 14 years away from my family that I that played a huge part also. And I was like, you know, my guy, my oldest was getting, he was 12 at the time. I had, wasn't in his life as much, you know, wasn't able to work with him on his craft and basketball and football. And I started having fun being a dad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, if I could do this, and I started loving it. I started loving it. I ain't gonna lie. If I could, Watch the game and go in there and argue with Max and Stephen A and, and go on the jump and, and do ESPN and hoop streams. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, man, forget this coaching stuff. I like it. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> funny, man? I, I, I've had in my travels and doing what I do, I've had the pleasure <laughs> of meeting, you know, a, a lot, if not most of the analysts. And, and what I'm about to say, I don't mean it in a negative way, but there are analysts that what you see on TV isn't what you get in person. And maybe for the better, right? You meet someone that you thought you didn't like and you're like, this guy's actually a good dude. You know, he's just doing yep. his job. I don't have a problem with him. What I tell people, and I have a ton of friends that are like, yo, I mess with Perk, man. I like him. I like his thing. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand this. Whether there's a camera on Perk, a mic on Perk, or we at <laughs> dinner, that's big Perk. There's no difference. And like you just said, there's no difference in who you are and how you handle your business. 
And I think that's been like one of the keys to your success. Personally, it's been like, you just, you just genuine perk. And I think that's why the players gravitate to you. You know, that's why your knowledge of the game and all those things, like, is that something you hang your hat on, on just being you and being genuine you, whether you're in front of the camera or not? Absolutely, P. I, like, like, and I appreciate that, my brother. I don't try to, I don't try to be someone I'm not, man. I got to be me. And, and the good thing about it is that I still got great relationships with all my people, all, especially in the basketball world, all my GMs, all my, all my homies that are still playing except maybe for one KD because he get a little sensitive. But all the rest of my homies I'm good with because they know I got a job from, job to do. But they, they know if they have a bad game, I got to go out there and talk about Braun and AD. Man, yep. they struggle right now. They need to pull it together. But they also know that I'm going to be the first to give them their flowers when they ball. I'm going to mm -hmm. be the first to salute. I'm going to be the first to praise them. And when it when it, if it, if it's a subject that comes to hand that don't have to deal with basketball and it has something to do with their personal life, you know what I do? I reach out to them and mm -hmm. I say, "Listen, I gotta go on television, and this is the topic. Uh, tell me what. Tell me how you feel. Tell me whatever you want to tell me, and I'm gonna go on TV and I'm gonna say this, and I'm leaving it alone. You can speak through me." and get your point of view across when it comes to something that happened personally in their life. Mm -hmm. Basketball, I'm going to give my takes. You know what it is, what I see on the floor. You know, hey, man, Braun missed the rotation. And that Braun, you know, Braun ain't sensitive to it. You know, like, it's part of the game. Like, it happens. He know why I genuinely, how I genuinely feel about him. And some people get in their feelings. Well, one person did. Not everybody. <laughs> but, you know, okay, I just try to be me. And, and, and P, they had a write-up about me, like, in uh, Sports Illustrated right before I retired as one of the greatest teammates of all time. And that's because they know, like, the same things I say on TV is the same things I would say in the locker room. So it ain't no difference. They, they'd be like, nah, this perk being perk. <laughs> nah, and, that, and that, I get that off you, and that's why I was saying what I just said of, like, whether we're doing dinner, whether we're grabbing a drink, whether it's at a workout, whether it's – seeing you on ESPN, it's like, you're the same person, right? And even if you're saying something I may not agree with or like, I know it's coming from a real place. It ain't for the show, it ain't for anything. It's like where we come from, it's like, that's like the utmost compliment you can, you can provide anyone. You know what I'm saying? Man. And you, you know, it's crazy. Look, in the basketball world, we go always disagree to agree. And, and I'm not always right. Right. Like, I mean, certain things I may miss. It happens. Or certain certain times my predictions may be wrong. It happens like that. But people get, you know what's crazy that I learned? Fans are really crazy. <laughs> I had to tell one fan, like, listen, if you're losing sleep over a basketball game, you need to check what's going on <laughs> in your life. Because you ain't living right, man. It's not that serious. You know, we just talking hoops, but you know, it'd be fun, man. I try, I throw a little charisma in there every now and then, you know. But, you know, Pete, man, I'm just doing me, man. I'm just having fun with it. You know, I'm actually, you know, I'm glued to the TV. And, you know, I talk a lot. You know, we'd be at the cards. We'd be at the Blu-ray table playing cards. And you see Braun get aggravated with me because I'd be like, hey, you think about what we're going to do on the speaker <laughs> tomorrow? Hey, love. <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing because I've seen it. It's so true, man. 
It's you so see that true. face he be giving you. <laughs> so let's get into it, man. Before I get you out of here, I got to get some predictions from you, man. Um, MVP is going to be announced any day. In your opinion, who do you think should be the 2020 NBA MVP? And why? Pete, let me tell you. LeBron James should be the MVP. All right? Because here's why. This is the thing. The, the, the narrative has changed throughout the years so much on what the MVP is. We don't know the criteria no more. Mm. Like Giannis, I said this. He's the MVP, most dominant player, right? Because you look at his numbers and the minutes that he played and the PR and all that analytics stuff, whatever. But when I'm talking about most valuable player, I'm looking at a player, and there's no disrespect to the Lakers or Anthony Davis, because I love AD. But if you take LeBron off the Lakers, are they number one in the Western Conference? Where is this team going to be? You take Giannis off the Bucks, I believe the Bucks are still top five. You see, like, I go as far back as when Steve Nash was winning MVPs. Right, it was it, it, he was the most valuable to the Phoenix Suns. Right. You know, one year he wanted he was he averaged eighteen and ten. Right. Kobe averaged thirty five that year with the Lakers when he was playing with Kwame Bryant and Smush Parker. Like that's the most valuable player. We watched an, another one in CP three. Right, he would have finished second on my list. You take him off the Thunder, what would the Thunder be at? That's most valuable. Like that's that's the most valuable player. Like, and I think we changed the narrative so much, and I wish that they changed the whole voting process. Let the media pick, like, five finalists for each end-of-the-season award, and then let the players and coaches pick from there. But you cannot pick nobody on your team. Oh, your team. Yeah, because it's like, oh, Giannis because of this, Giannis because of that, Giannis because he's done something since Will Chamberlain. I'm like... But what is his impact on the team? Like, is he the most valuable player because, of, you know, like, so Braun is to me. I mean, then look at his numbers. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Your homie, my, our good friend, Rachel Nichols, you know, she's been a big advocate of um, going almost to, like, the football system of having, like, offensive player of the year, defense, like we have a defensive player of the year, maybe changing the awards because, to your point, we haven't clearly defined or articulated, you know, what the criteria is. So people gravitate to, well, this person scored 35 points a game. So they're the most valuable player. And to your point, it's way more than points, right? It's all the other stuff, all the ancillary stuff. So um, when she said that, I thought, I felt like she was onto something of like, we need to, and you're kind of saying it in a different way. We need to clearly articulate what makes an MVP. Is it the best player in the league? Is it the most valuable player in the league? Is it the most dominant player in the league? Is it the best right. player? What is that? And if we can agree on that, I think it'll be easier to say, well, clearly this guy is or that guy is. So when do they announce it? When, when do they officially announce MVP? It's this week, right? They, yeah, I think they announce it. Now they might announce it next week. Mm. Next week, because right, it's the final award. But that's, I mean, you hit it right on, you hit, you hit it right on the head, though, Pete. The goalposts get shifted every single year. Very true. Because, like, you know, like, it was a time, and, and, and real short, it was a time where, I could actually say that Braun should have won the MVP eight straight years in a row. Mm. But we got bored with his greatness because if you look at it, every single time, what happened when Braun left? Every, every time he leave Cleveland, what happened to Cleveland? They go right into the lottery. Right into the lottery. Right yep. into the lottery. You go from a contender 
to the lottery every single time that he leaves this team. And it was eight years in a row I thought he could have won the MVP, but just, just alone. And then the goalpost was shifted. Oh, he's in a weak Eastern Conference. I thought the Celtics were still there. I thought you still had the Pistons that was there. But all of a sudden, it's a weak Eastern Conference. Chicago, Chicago was there with a young boy. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, like the, the goalposts just keep getting moved every year. So like you said, what is the criteria? Like, let's set it in stone. Um, who do you have in your finals? Give me your finals picks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ride the wave of Miami. I'm going to ride the wave of Miami coming out of the, the East. I think they got a point to prove. I think they're well coached by Eric Sposer. Um, and, and I got the Lakers coming out of the West. I, I just can't, like, I, I that, a team going to have to show me because I just can't go against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i going to just have to ride with that till the wheels fall off I'm because I, I, I strongly believe that that's the best duo since Kobe and Shaq. Mm. Mm, I'm with that. I'm with that. You know what? You know what's interesting, man. It's like I had a good friend of mine, like a high school, like like a childhood best friend of mine, huge basketball junkie. Say when the bubble started, he said, "Man, P, you know, I don't know if they should play because even if even if your man wins, it's gonna be an asterisk on this chip." Mm. And I and and I think there's this like consensus of like, ah, oh, it'll be a different type of year. I don't think people realize. And I don't want to put words in Bron's mouth. He didn't say this. This is me saying this. But from, from what I can gather from speaking to him, texting every day, and having those conversations, I don't think people realize how challenging and how different this season has been for those guys. And I could make an argument, and I would love your point of view, that this may be the most challenging championship. Not the easiest, not an asterisk, not, oh, you won in 2020, but that was a bubble year and it didn't count. I think this is going to be the most challenging championship for any team to win. I agree. This is going to be one of the greatest championships of all time. We watched the, even the guys that were, that were sent home early from the bubble. You watch those guys when they got home, it felt like they just did a bid. People don't understand the restrictions, <laughs> the sacrificing that they have to go through, whether they're leaving the, the, the gym. It's only so much fishing and, and, and going to – you know, the Lakers had a pizza party, man. Like, you're in your hotel room all day. Yes, you got the internet, but that gets old. Like, you you can't go out. Like, you isolated in the bubble. It is stressful. And the way – and competing without fans. Like, fans win you games. It's a reason that you fight for home court advantage. So, to have that mentality to go out there and compete at the level that they have been competing during these circumstances, after a four-month layoff, in my opinion, P, it's gonna be one of the greatest championships of all time. I agree, man. I, I, um, you know, Bron hit me for my birthday. He Facetimed me a couple of weeks ago, August fifth, and uh, or I guess a month ago at this point. Thank you, brother. And um, I, I told him just in conversation, like we finished the conversation. I'm like, Yo, what you about to do? And he looked at me, Perk, like I had nine heads. He was like, what You mean you trying to be funny? What you mean about to, about to do? Going back to my room. <laughs> he was offended, Perk. Like, what you mean what I'm about to do? I'm going back to my room. Like, right. And I don't think people realize, like, the isolation those guys are going through, man. Like, it's like, you know, it's kind of insane. I'm sure Rachel's told you. I know you talked to the players. I know she was there. Did you consider going to the bubble at all? I did. At first, we were supposed to go originally, and then ESPN was like, you know, it really didn't make sense to bring everyone down there for the simple fact that we're doing shows 
remotely from home and it's working just fine. So, you know, uh, we we were supposed to go down there, but yeah, Rachel has said it plenty of times. She even talked about when Paul George went through his mental uh, yeah. uh, uh, mental health issue, and she said it's not easy being down there in the bubble. And I talked to a lot of the guys, and they they right now what they're doing, they're doing a great job of leaning on one another. Yeah. So almost probably like high school, college days when you go on a trip. You know, we all in one room. Yep. You know, it's a lot of card playing, yep. a lot of bank accounts being exchanged. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, here go my information. Go ahead and wire that 20 racks <laughs> that you just got booed for. So you know how it is. Absolutely, man. Perk, before before I let you go, man, you know, like I said at the, at the top, man, it's been honestly a beautiful thing to see, you know, your progression and your transition and see, you know, what – to some may seem fast and maybe even to you, like the grind you've put into it. And like you said, investing yourself and doing things for free and not saying no to anything. Um, so that's been a beautiful thing to see. I know how, how challenging that is. Um, what's next for Perk, man, before we get out of here, what's, what's next for you, man? man to be honest, I'm gonna I'm 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 ride this way for a little bit. Uh, I'm enjoying this, uh, ESPN, you know, they, they, they love me. Uh, you know, I bring a different type of flavor to the show. Uh, some people say I remind them of a, of a better, a little more intelligent Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just make bold predictions like the Portland Trail Blazers. Or other. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. If you guarantee it, go the other way. <laughs> but now, but for real though, P, I'm I'm gonna enjoy the family, man, and I, I'm a, I'm gonna continue to, to do this analyst thing for a while. And, and if something comes up where I feel the need that, you know, I want to actually pursue my dream before this one and go into coaching, then I, I'll consider doing it. But right now, man, being around my family and being able just to watch it at my house and then maybe fly out here and there and go speak on it and talk about it, you know, on TV, man, is 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 very comfortable right now for me. And I'm loving it. So I could just see myself doing this for the next five, six years. Who knows? Dope. I love it. For those people that have been under a rock or something, um, where can <laughs> they see some of your work? I know you have a podcast. Plug the podcast, please. Um, well, um, yeah. well, yeah, I'm working on it. It's not official yet, but, you know, you can catch me. You know, I'm, I'm co-host on Who Streams. That's on the digital platform yep. with uh, Cassidy Hubbard. I'll be on the jump on the regular. Now I'm starting to be on the get up and first take. So, you know, I, I really, I don't turn down any ESPN opportunities. They call me, they're like, hey, Perk, look, we need you on this show tomorrow. I'm like, book it. I told, I told, uh, <laughs> I told the talent director who do all the uh, booking, I said, look, don't even ask me if I'm on. Just tell me what time and what date. Like, if you want me to be on tomorrow, just tell me first take tomorrow. Don't even ask, because whatever I got planned, I'm going to cancel it. Cause I want to talk hoops. Hey, and that's so true, man. You know, like, like you're a man of your word. I can show the text. I texted you, said, yo, Perk, would love to have you on the show. You're like, tell me when, tell me where I'm there. No questions asked. So it's always been love. Perk, the only thing we got to figure out is how to get a digital or a Zoom Blu-ray game during this pandemic. If we can figure that out, we'd be good. Oh, uh, look, oh, look, a digital Blu-ray or Guts app. We got it. Hey, listen. Hey, when we, get off, when we get off this, we're going to call Rich Paul. We're going to get this figured out. 
Yeah, man. I know him and Mal can figure that out. A blue sure. ray app. For sure. When we sure. get in and do our thing. For sure. My brother, I love, I appreciate the time, man. Honestly, I'll hit you when we off camera. I want to say, honestly, I, I know you're busy. I appreciate you making the time. Um, I look forward to all your predictions coming true. Uh, <laughs> um, and um, no, nah, man, I'll see you on the other side. I appreciate you. Love to the family, the missus. Yo, and I might hit you about a puppy, too, by the way. I might oh, hit you oh, about yeah, a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I be doing a little something with it, but Pete, man, I appreciate you. Appreciate everything that you do. I, uh, people don't understand uh, what you do. Like they see you on here on, on the pod, they see you on uninterrupted, but they don't know the behind the scenes all reveal that I know I that being the meat chopping it up when they tell it <laughs> and getting stuff done. That's the P I know, man. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing, man, and, and keep up the good work. You always got my support and love, man. And much love to the family. And before we leave, you know we got to say, hey, go out there and vote more than the vote. Gotta Absolutely. Go vote. Seriously. Absolutely. Gotta go vote. Gotta go vote. Absolutely. Maybe the most important thing, more important, not even maybe, more important than any basketball game, any playoff game, which is why you see Braun, you're a part of the team, the more than a vote team. You know, yes. Kevin Hart, the whole crew, just really making this a priority. I mean, there literally is nothing more important. Obviously, stay healthy in the process of doing it. but you know, change starts with our vote, you know, so for sure. So a lot more to come on that. You can follow more than a vote on social. You can follow Kendrick, who's a part of it, you know, on his social channels for more information, all that stuff. It's a great call out. KP, I love you, brother. Appreciate your time. Uh, see, you on, you. See, you on, see you on the other side, man. All right, my brother. All right, peace.